0: I mean, really, 2020, you had to go there. For the first time in 17 years, the Miami Marlins have returned to the postseason. Of course, the Marlins have won the World Series both times that they've been to the postseason, and this year they look to make it three. And who else do they run into in the first round but a team that they faced back in 03 in their last postseason appearance, my beloved Chicago Cubs. Yes, for those of you that don't know, I love both teams. I've always had Chicago in my blood. I fell in love with the Cubs a few years ago when I went to Wrigley Field. It's not really a big deal. Teams, People can like two teams. But yes, I do like two teams. And of course, in this year that just never ends and never gets any better, they run into each other in the, one of them's first postseason appearance in 17 years. And the Cubs are back in the postseason after missing out after a disappointing finish to last year. Let's jump right into it. I mean, it should be a really, really entertaining series. Um, You know, these two teams, like I said, they've got some history. Um, They had, obviously, the dramatic, you know, seven-game series in, in the NLCS in 2003. The Cubs were about six outs away, and then the whole Bartman thing happened, and the rest after that, of course, is history. The Marlins ended up World Series champions for the second time in franchise history. You can see a steady flow of cars and trucks and vans with people inside screaming and chanting, waving pictures and posters and banners and flags. They're honking their horns. I even saw somebody blowing a horn. And again, look over there at the people at the side, people hitting those pots and pans, blowing whistles, holding up baseball bats and T-shirts going crazy it was nothing like this about 40 minutes ago when i first arrived here but just as josh beckett made that last out of the game this intersection the people around here started going crazy people started coming out of the 7-eleven over there people started to come out of the latin cafe across the street and then of course all the cars started strolling down coming down 49th street and here on the side you can hear these people chanting let's go marlins let's go marlins But let's jump right into this series. It's going to look a lot different. First of all, it's a three-game series um, in this wild card round, as all of these first-round series will be. And it's going to be an interesting one. We have some tremendous pitching matchups here on the pad that I'm going to be talking about here. Um, And let's just jump right into it. Game one, uh, we've got Sandy Alcantara going up against Kyle Hendricks, the two aces of the staff. Sandy's been tremendous this year. I'm really happy for him that he's getting this game one start. He earned it. Um, he was really fantastic down the stretch after he returned from COVID. And he, you know, on opening day, he looked like the ace of this staff, and he did nothing but prove that he belongs. Um, he called his shot in the, clinchy, in the clincher in New York um, last Friday. He was tremendous that night. And he was really good all year. Um, You know, he went, I think, seven and a third, two-run ball. The Marlins, you know, we had to go to extras, but they ended up pulling it off. And we we were so happy to see them pull it off and pull it off on, you know, the four-year anniversary of the passing of Jose Fernandez. It was truly a tremendous day for the Marlins. and, And to do it, to honor Jose like that, I thought was a beautiful thing. And Don Mattingly talked about what it meant to him after the game. Um, And it was it was just a beautiful thing for them to clinch on that day right now I just thought about it Jose, you know four years ago Mm -hmm. What we went through And then to do this on his day What a what a feeling right and these guys not to mention what these guys have been through What we've been through as a group and as an organization the last couple of years I mean fighting back and 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 kind of getting beat up last year And these guys are believing in themselves. And and that's what I love. They believed themselves in spring. We came back in the summer and they believed in themselves. Anytime we got in trouble this year, they came back and showed up and and did it, right? Just like tonight. And Sandy delivered, and he said he was going to. And now he gets the ball in game one in the Marlins' first postseason appearance again since 2003. But it won't be easy. Um, he's got to go up against a really, really good pitcher, a guy that you've probably heard me talk about a lot if you listen to the podcast. In terms of comparing him to Marlins starters, um, you know, in their uh, in their uh, farm system, you know, I've said that a lot of these guys, these softer throwers that use control and stuff over velocity, um, like Nick Neidert, you know, I've compared them to Kyle Hendricks, um, and now we get to see him here in game one. Hendricks' numbers, like they don't stand out a ton, um, but he was really fantastic this year. You know, I watched a lot of his starts just from watching the Cubs, and he was really tremendous. Um, he's got a 2.88 ERA, 3.53 uh, fielding independent pitching, which basically takes some of the defensive factors out of the ERA. It's on the same scale. And he's got a 1.00 whip, it's the lowest walk rate of his career and his K's were around average. Nobody was getting on base against this guy. He wasn't letting up a ton of hits. He wasn't letting up a ton of runs. He had a couple stinkers, but overall, I mean, the first game he had a, you know, complete game, three hit shutout, um, and all three hits were actually to the same guy in that start. But Hendricks is tremendous. Um, he's been so fun to watch as a you know, as a Cubs fan. He was so big in twenty sixteen, he probably should have won the Cy Young that year. Um, and he was great in that postseason as well. He's got—he's this guy that's got this calm demeanor out on the mound. Like I said, he uses you know his command and the movement of his pitches rather than just pure stuff in terms of you know velocity. His curveball is filthy. His changeup is filthy. He's only gonna run it up at around 90 miles an hour with the fastball and the sinker. Um, but he's gonna get a lot of swing and miss, and, and it's it's gonna be tough for this Marlins lineup. They haven't really faced a ton of guys like him. Um, and, and he's he's certainly, you know, a guy that is really tough to go against. Uh, the numbers for Sandy on the other side, it's pretty much an exact opposite matchup in terms of makeup when you look at these two pitchers. Sandy's a guy that's coming up, you know, with high velocity and good breaking stuff, um, you know, a, a nasty slider. And the numbers for Sandy this year are pretty good. Um, he had a 3.00 ERA Um, 3.72 fielding independent pitching, 1.19 whip, hit an 8.36K per nine, that was the, he had the highest K percentage of his career, which, you know, it's been a concern with him that he hasn't been getting a lot of swing and miss with his stuff, but he really turned it on this year. And he also, most importantly, had the lowest walk percentage of his career. That's something that the Marlins are looking from him, um, in, as he continues to develop and as they hope that he will be their, you know, their future ace or their number two if Sixto takes over the, you know, the, the number one spot, um, that's something that really needs to improve. And it was good to see him limit the walks this year. Speaking of Sixto, in game two, I like the idea of getting him in game two because let's say you go up in game one, he's on the mound with the chance to close it out. And if you go down in game one, well, you give him a shot to get you to game three where you've got your steady hand In Pablo Lopez, who we'll talk about in a second, but I really like the way that Mattingly put this staff together for this three-game series. I'm happy Sixto's going in this spot, and another tough matchup on the other end for the Miami Marlins. This is going to be brutal. They've got to go up against Yu Darvish, who is a legitimate. Cy Young candidate, um, I maybe would vote for him, um, you know, it's hard to go, vote against DeGrom, I think DeGrom is easily the best pitcher in the National League, um, and probably the best pitcher in baseball, so it's hard to vote against DeGrom, but when you actually compare Darvish's numbers to DeGrom, um, he, you know, he threw more innings, he's got a better FIP, a better war, better walks per nine, better K's per not um, uh, K to walk ratio, um. So the numbers kind of match up, actually, and he was just fantastic this year. Um, he had a 2.01 ERA, a 2.23 FIP, 11.01 Ks per nine. He had a three war in just 12 starts, which is just Fantastic career highs in every category. He had a 0.96 whip, 31.3 K percentage, and a 4.7 walk percentage. He led the NL in war, he led the NL in FIP, he was second in the NL in ERA, fourth in whip, second in walk percentage, fifth in K percentage. He was unreal this year. Every time he was out on the mound, it was bad news for the opposing lineup. It's bad news for the Marlins lineup that he will be out there in the second game. Again, a guy with just tremendous stuff. You know, he throws hard. He's got all kinds of weird pitches with weird movement. He's got a cutter, a slider, this kind of breaking ball, that kind of breaking ball. He can break it off a changeup. I mean, he's going to throw maybe seven, eight pitches with that have different looks to them. Um, even though they're all kind of similarly, you know, one might be the same pitch as the other. But it just kind of looks a little different in terms of the way it breaks. He's... Uh, I don't even know what how to describe the way he pitches, but he's going to make some batters look funny um, in this game two matchup. It's going to be a really tough matchup for this one two punch that the and even Lester you know who struggled this year, but it's playoff John Lester. This is a tough pitching staff that the Marlins are going up against, and Darvish was as good as it got this year. On the other end, Sixto, you know, we talked about him when, you know, his first start. He was tremendous. You know, he looked untouchable in his first few starts, but he really struggled the last couple times out. And one thing that really came back to bite him was the walk. He actually had a 2.54 walks per nine this year, which is not something that you expect from him. That will go away. I'm not concerned about Sixto long term. You know, he had a couple bad starts his last times out, his last times out, um, You know, he faced Atlanta and Washington again. They had seen him and they jumped on him. Um, The numbers kind of didn't, you know, add up at the end to how good he looked. He had a 3.50 FIP, 1.29 whip, 7.62 Ks per nine. I mean, he settled in in that Atlanta start and, you know, came back and fought And we know the kind of stuff he has. So it's gonna be difficult. And this is the first time the Cubs are seeing him. And when he saw teams for the first time, they couldn't touch him. So I I, you know I, I don't I don't know what to expect, but I like I said, I'm glad he's in this spot because if you win, he has a chance to close out the series for you. If you lose, that guy's on the hill. That's the guy you want on the hill with that mentality that he's shown trying to get you to game three. In game three, if it happens, the pitching matchup will be Pablo Lopez against John Lester, a legend of the game, a legend in the postseason is Lester. Um, and and Pablo has been the steady hand for the Marlins this year. So I like the idea of if it gets to game three, you got your steady hand out there and you go and give him the ball and you try and win a ball game. Um, let's take a look at the numbers. Lester actually had Maybe the worst year of his career this year. Um, it was a struggle a lot for John Lester. You know, I watched him at times, and he labored through a lot of innings. It was a struggle for him to get through five or six, um, and the numbers kind of reflect that. You know, he had a five point one six ERA, a five point one four WHIP. That's by far the highest in both those categories of his career. His WHIP was actually pretty average at one point three three. He had a six point two case per nine, which is easily the lowest of his career, but. It's John Lester in the playoffs that we're talking about. Um, you know, it's not John Lester on a Tuesday night at Wrigley Field against the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're talking about John Lester in the playoffs. He has been one of the best postseason pitchers of this generation of baseball. It's a it's wonderful to watch him pitch in the postseason. And if you're a Cubs fan. Um, you know, like I am usually it's, you're really excited about seeing John Lester in the playoffs, but now rooting for the Marlins, it's not going to be fun to see John Lester in the playoffs, which by the way, I am going to be rooting for the Marlins. Don't worry about that. I will be rooting for the Marlins. I will not be rooting against the Cubs, but I will be rooting for the Marlins. So you don't have to worry about that if you were wondering. Let's take a look at the numbers for Pablo. Um, he, you know, going up against John Lester is no easy task, and he's intimidating. He gets fired up when it's October, um, so the Marlins have a challenge on their hands for sure. And Pablo's going to have to go toe to toe with him. But Pablo's numbers were good this year. His ERA is actually pretty um, significantly higher than his FIP. He's got a 3.61 ERA and a 3.09 FIP. The numbers suggest that he should have been better than his ERA reflects. He's got a 1.19 WHIP, 9.26 Ks per nine. That was really good. That's the high of it. That you know, good number for him. That's high, the highest of his career so far. And like I said, he's been the steady hand for the Marlins. He was huge down the stretch. Um, his last three starts, 17.1 innings pitched, three runs on eight hits allowed and 19 strikeouts, and the best part of it, three Marlins wins. He has been the guy down the stretch for the Marlins so far, and like I said, if you get there, he's the steady hand. He's the guy you want with the ball on the mound in game three. Let's quickly talk about the offense because this is the part of the series that could win the Marlins the series because of how good their pitching has been and because of how bad the Cubs' offense has been. Even though the Marlins are absolutely overmatched talent-wise. There's no doubt about that. I don't think anybody doubts that the Marlins are overmatched talent-wise. If they want to win this series, it's going to come down to pitching. If the Cubs want to win this series, it's going to come down to pitching unless their bats get hot. If their bats get hot, I'm not sure the Marlins have a chance in this series um, because I'm not sure that they can score with the Cubs. But the good news for the Marlins is the Cubs offense was really bad this year. I mean, the team's slash line was 220, 318, 387 with a ninety-one rated runs created plus. So that's nine percent below average. Um and you know, you talk about the main guys on the Cubs, you talk about this core, you talk about Bias, Bryant, Schwarber, Rizzo, Contreras, the guys that have, you know, been around that They drafted, came up through this organization, won the World Series with them, and, you know, we're supposed to build this dynasty. I mean, they had a really tough year. Baez, a 599 OPS and a 57 weighted runs created plus. I mean, that's just terrible. That's not what you want from Javi Baez. Um, It was hard to watch at times. He's really struggled with the breaking ball this year. He's striking out more than I've ever seen him, and he strikes out a lot. Um, It was a really tough go for at it for bias this year, Chris Bryant battled injury all year, struggled at the plate, six forty four OPS, seven, uh, seventy six weighted runs created plus. Kyle Schwarber struggled, seven oh one OPS, ninety weighted runs created plus. Anthony Rizzo had a pretty bang ass average year, seven fifty five OPS, one oh three weighted runs created plus. Contreras was the guy out of these five that was the best. He had a 763 OPS and a 109 rated runs created plus. So, I mean, Rizzo and Contreras were above average, but it's not what you expect from those guys. You know, it's not what Cubs fans have gotten used to watching over the past few years. So it's been frustrating at times. You know, watching the Cubs this year has been hard for me because the offense has struggled so much. The bad news for the Marlins, the good news for the Cubs is they really got hot in this last series. I mean, Chris Bryant, I think he had two home runs. Um, You know, Baez hit one. Schwarber hit a couple, I think. Rizzo was hot at the end of the year. Contreras had the just most insane bat flip that I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I'm going to try and put the video in here. If you haven't seen it, go find it. It's amazing. Um... So, yeah, the Cubs offense is getting a little hot at the end of the year. And and I've been saying to one of my Cubs buddies all year that if the Cubs get hot, you know, in the playoffs, watch out. Anything can happen with the way the pitching is and with the talent on this team. Who led the way for the Cubs this year? It was Happ and Hayward. Um, Happ had a 250, uh, Ian Happ had a 258, 361, 505, 866 slash line, 131 weighted runs created. Plus, he was absolutely tremendous. He's a switch hitting center fielder. he carried the Cubs offense all year Jason Hayward had a good year a bounce back year you know it's been a struggle for him in the Cubs uniform but he was really good this year 265 392 456 uh, 848 OPS and a 130 weighted runs created plus so I know I talked about a lot about the Cubs Marlins fans but I just want to give you guys a grasp of uh, you know of what you're going up what we're going up against here because this is a team that was built to win. They've won a World Series. They've been here already. They went to the NLCS um, 3 times in a row including the World Series in the middle. You know, they went they've been to the playoffs uh, 5 of the last 6 years I want to say. Um, they're backing the playoffs. They're hungry. They've got a new manager. You know, it might sound like I'm hyping up the Cubs, but I'm not. I'm just trying to give you a feel of what we're up against because I know what we're up against because I've watched this really closely. I watch this team really closely and the Marlins are in for a battle. This, this series is going to be a battle um, because, like I said, if you know the Marlins pitching can hold this Cubs offense down, the Marlins will have every opportunity to win this series because of how good their pitching can be when it's on, how good Sandy can be, how good Sixto can be, how good Pablo can be. You know, I don't need to talk about the Marlins offense because you guys watch the Marlins offense all year. You know what it is. There are holes in the Marlins offense. But if Brian Anderson, Jesus Aguilar, Corey Dickerson, even Lewis Brinson, when he faces, um, Lester. And if he gets a start, I would like to see him get a start in one of the first two games. He's been one of the, you know, one of the guys this year. Um, I would like to see him face, uh, Hendricks or Darvish. It's a tough matchup, but it's the playoffs. He helped you get here, throw him in there. Um, you know, if, if some of these guys can give you some big hits, Miguel Rojas is another one. Um, he's given you big hits all year. Um, if, if some of these guys can get some big hits and Sandy and Sixto and Pablo can pitch up to their potential, the Marlins absolutely have a chance to take two or three from the Cubs at Wrigley Field. But if the Marlins' bats go silent and if the Cubs' offense continues what we saw in Chicago against the White Sox this past weekend, I'm just being honest here. This isn't the Cubs fan in me. The Marlins are going to have a really tough time with this team because this is a good team with playoff experience and the Marlins don't have playoff experience yet. But they're getting playoff experience, and they're getting playoff experience ahead of schedule, and they have the young guys here so that they can see what it's like to be in the postseason. Derek Jeter talked about how they're carrying young guys on the taxi squad on purpose so that they know what the feeling is like in the postseason. They know what it's like to be in October so that when they get here, they're prepared to be in October year after year after year. This is part of the winning culture that the Marlins are building. This is not the end for the Marlins, whether they win this series or not. This is not the end for the Marlins. This is only the beginning of what is building in Miami down here. Sure, it might be a struggle next year. Maybe they won't be in the playoffs because of the circumstances, you know, if they go back to a regular postseason or whatever it is. But the Marlins are here now and they have a chance to make a run if they can just get some big hitting in some big situations and if their pitching can hold up. But if that doesn't happen It's going to be tough for the Marlins because, again, they're going up against a team with good playoff experience that overmatches them in talent and has three really good starting pitchers, including arguably the best postseason pitcher of our generation on their team. I've been talking for a long time, and I've been thinking about this series for a long time. It's going to crush my soul uh, this series one way or the other because either the Marlins are going to go home or either the Cubbies are going to go home and it's going to be at the hands of either the Marlins or the Cubbies. So it's brutal, but it's going to be fun. Um, the Marlins are in the postseason. That's all I really care about is that the Marlins are in the postseason. They made it here. Everything from here on out is icing. It's it's just the beginning for this team. Like I said, I'm not going to make a series prediction. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to do it, but. I've given you what the Marlins need to do to win this series. Will they do it? Let's find out.